Okay, go ahead and take a seat, take a seat. God is worthy of faith. God is worthy of faith, our God statement this morning. First of all, for us to understand what it means that God is worthy of faith, we have to define a specific word. What is faith? Everyone say faith. What is faith? I think faith is one of those words that is used often in Christianity, right? You have to have faith for whatever, fill in the blank. Like faith is kind of like this, this big, broad word where we can hear and be like, yeah, that's really good, but have no idea what it means. Look at Hebrews 11.1 1 with me. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Is it up on the screen? I don't know. Oh, good job, Ben. All right. Hebrews 1 or 11.1 1 says this. Now faith is the assurance. Everyone say assurance. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction. Everyone say Conviction. The conviction of things not seen. So we see these two words highlighted, assurance and conviction. Everyone say assurance and conviction. Assurance and conviction. These words are not just code for like having like a nice optimistic hope, right? I think sometimes we think that faith is just trying to stay really positive and act like nothing hard is going on. And that's what it means to have faith. Let me tell you, that's a really weak and fragile faith. And that's what you think faith is, is just trying to be positive, trying to be nice, trying to do all the Christian things, like the, like the parable that, that Mr. She's uh, shared with us, Mr. Bra- it feels weird to say it like that, Mr. Braden, or she's shared with us this morning about the wise man who builds his house on the rock. He's the one who listens to the voice of God and obeys, but a fool is one who has a really weak foundation. And I think our foundation for faith is super weak if it's merely just optimism. But faith must be rooted in assurance and conviction. One more time, everyone say conviction. Well, everyone say conviction. Now you see, this is really, really crucial for us because if we do not have the conviction that God is who he says he is, then our whole Christian lives will be just trying to do a bunch of things for God rather than understanding when, than having the conviction that God is so good and so loving and so worthy of our lives that we desire to put our faith in him. Are you with me? It, it goes from duty and religion of having to check things off of the box to saying God is worthy of my faith. God is worthy of my life. Are you tracking with me this morning? Hebrews 11, the, the chapter that comes right before the, the first passage we read is, is something that is often called the hall of faith. And, and it's a little cheesy, I know, but it, it is, people call it that. So hall of faith, what happens is, is the author of Hebrews wants to encourage the church that he's writing to. He wants to encourage them. He wants to encourage them to, to endure even persecution and suffering. And even when Jesus, following Jesus is costing them something, he wants to give them encouragement. So what he starts to do as, as he starts to t- tell all these amazing stories, anyone here love reading like a good novel? Anyone lo- love reading a good novel? Yes. Like there's something about a good novel or maybe even like a good movie, right, that, that it takes you on this storyline, right? And like, like it has to start kind of like gradually and, and for you to kind of understand everything is happening. And by the end of it, like you're wrapped up into the world and it can encourage you and deeply affect you. This is what the author of Hebrews is trying to do. He says, hey, hey. Remember these people that, are, that have kind of built the foundation for your faith from the very beginning. He starts to talk about this guy named Abel, right? If you know anything about Abel, his life doesn't end that too great. He ends up getting murdered by his brother Cain. Horrible, terrible, rude. Don't do that to your siblings, okay? But, like, we see Cain murders Abel, but, but Abel is seen as God as someone who has faith. Everyone say faith. He's seen as someone who has faith because it says, by faith, Abel offered a sacrifice to God. That was more pleasing. He, he offered a sacrifice to God that costed him something. He gave the first fruits, the very best of what he had, 
not the leftovers. His brother Cain, who was wicked, would kind of come and bring the leftovers of like four-day-old like steak that was really chewy and gross, right? Like, ain't nobody want that. Like you want, you want the fresh stuff, you know what I'm saying? And so like Abel comes and he brings something that is sacrificial and Cain brings something that's convenient, that's easy. And so we see in Hebrews 11 that God looks at Abel. He sees how his worship means bringing something that is costly. Can I just encourage you real quick with this? Everyone listen to me. Everyone listen to me. I was so, I was so encouraged and inspired by so many of you going after during worship today. I, I think as, I was, as I was looking around the room, I'm seeing so many of you understand the value of coming to God in faith and worshiping him because of a conviction, right, the conviction that God is good, that he is faithful. And if you're in this room and, like, maybe you find yourself showing up in some weeks and you're just kind of like, I don't really feel like worshiping. Have you guys ever felt like that? Like, I don't really feel like singing. I don't really feel like dancing. It's okay. Me too. I felt that. Like, it's super natural, super human to, to come into these, like, into the church doors and sometimes just not be feeling it. But notice what faith does is says, okay, despite my feelings and despite my desires, because I have this deep conviction. Everyone say deep conviction. This deep conviction, this deep belief, this deep trust and assurance that God is who he says he is. That means he's always worthy of my faith. He's always worship of me giving my song and dancing and clapping and like using what he has given me, using the gifts he's given me to glorify him. Faith is not always comfortable or easy, but it's based on remembering who our God is and giving him sacrificial worship. This is what we see Abel do. There's, there's more stories in Hebrews 11. You should go and read it yourself. It's amazing. But we see Abraham. God speaks to Abraham and says, hey, go to a land that I will show you. How many of you guys have ever moved before? Yeah, I know, I know a lot of you have moved. Okay, imagine this. Imagine this. If your mom or your dad comes into the room and they're like, hey, sweetheart, or honey, or dude, whatever they call you. Okay, I don't know. Hey, we're moving. And you're like, oh, okay, that's sad. Where are we going? I don't know. You'd be like, bro, what? Like, can I really trust you right now? Like, like hey, we're moving. Where? I, I don't know. What God literally tells Abraham is move to a land that I will show you. Can you imagine Abraham going to talk to Sarah? Awkward conversation, right? I can't imagine doing that with Lindsay. Hey, babe, we're moving. Uh, uh, first of all, no, I don't want to. Like, why? Second of all, where? I, I don't know. But we're just going to pack up our stuff and just, like, start going. And God's going to show us the way. But because Abraham heard God speak to him, because Abraham had this encounter with God, he said, I don't care where you lead me. I don't care where we're going to go. I trust you. I trust that you are God, that you are worthy. So I will follow you. Track with me. We see this over and over and over again. We see this in the man named Moses. We see this in Hebrews 11 where Moses was born in the house of Egypt. And Moses could have had anything he wanted. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He could have had anything he wanted. All the food, all the, all the easy life, all the wealth and success and health and prosperity. And he says, no, no, no. I'm going to obey God and follow him. He chose, he chose God as greater than the fleeting pleasures of sin is what Hebrews 11 tells us. And then after kind of this amazing story where the author's writing these beautiful encouragements, hey, remember all of these people who even laid down their lives, who literally were burned at the stake, who were sawn in two, the prophets who testified about God were murdered for what they did. And then it reaches like the climax, the best part of the story. 
This is, this is where it all goes down. Where it's like, hey, if you remember anything, remember this. This is like the climax of the book of Hebrews after the author's been encouraging them time and time and time again. Hey, hold on to your face. To your faith. Face? That makes no sense. Hold on to your faith. Like hold fast to the confession of your hope. And it leads to this. Read this one more time with me. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Uh, they're saying, remembering all these people who have lived with great faith, even though it cost them something. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Everyone say, looking to Jesus. Other translations say, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me ask you guys this to help us understand this. Have you ever been around someone that is just extremely good at something? Yeah, some of you guys were like, yeah, that's me. I've been around myself, right? <laughs> right? Like, you're around someone that they're just like a beast. Like, they're, they're like the really, really annoying people that are good at everything. You ever been around one of those people? It's like, yeah, bro, I play like 18 instruments. You're like, yo, that's awesome. And then you go out to like to the field, and he's like, oh, yeah, I also play like five sports. What? Like, like they like are good at everything. But like, there's something about like watching someone who's really, really talented, really good at something. Let me ask, ask you guys this. How many of you guys are basketball fans in here? My people, my people, my people. Okay. I, I'm a big basketball fan, my favorite sport by far. And you know what I love? I love watching the NBA and watching like the best players play. Because when I watch them, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to play like that. Like, who here is a Steph Curry fan? Yeah, Steph Curry, Steph Curry. Okay, only a few of you. That surprises me. Okay, Stephen Curry is like the greatest shooter in basketball history. He can make anything, do anything. Like, like he is like a superhero on the basketball court. And when I watch him, I'm like, that's what it looks like to play the game of basketball, right? Like, like or we think, we think about the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. Not LeBron James. Not LeBron James, right? Like, like you watch the GOAT, and you're inspired by goodness. How about this? How many of you guys are soccer people? Any soccer people? There we go, there we go. How many of y'all know, like, watching Messi is like watching art, like poetry in motion, right, right? Like, you watch him play, and it's just like he is so much better than everyone else. It's, like, inspiring to watch. Or how about this? I, I need to give a congratulations to some people in the room. If you are a Chiefs fan, like, you, you didn't become one last week. If you've been a Chiefs fan, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I literally can't ask this question anywhere without, like, more booze. If you're, if you're not a Chiefs fan, hold on. I'll give you a moment, okay? If you are a Chiefs fan, can you raise your hand and make some noise? Okay, good for you. Good for you. If you're not a Chiefs fan, go ahead and make some noise now. I love it. This happens every week. No love for the Chiefs besides, like, the four people. But, right, like, there's something about even if you don't like him, even if you don't like watching the Chiefs, you have to appreciate Watching like a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, like you watch him like playoff Patty Mahomes is crazy, right? Like he does things that are insane. Or like you think about the current go to football Tom Brady, right? I know this, this might be controversial. You, if you want to fight about this later, I'm all about it. I'm here. But, but what do all these people have in common? Shh, listen, listen. What do all these people have in common? It's when you watch them. When, when you watch what they do, or maybe you hear, like, an amazing band, an amazing orchestra of, like, beautiful, beautiful music, or you watch an artist who just, like, is an incredible singer. You watch them, and you're like, that is the perfect example 
of what it looks like to be good at that. Like that is the perfect example of what it looks like to be a great athlete, to be a great basketball player, to be a great singer, to be a great guitar player. Like you watch them and you say like, that is the perfect example. Are you tracking with me? And the exact same way, I want you guys to catch this, in, in the same way but even greater. The author of Hebrews is inviting us to see Jesus like this. That there are so many amazing examples of men and women who lived with great faith. So much faith that they said, I don't care if you kill me, throw me in prison, if you steal everything I have. God is worthy of my faith. Come what may, I will follow Jesus. There's so many amazing stories of martyrs who, who like, they're, they're there standing before their captors who will kill them and or their families for their faith in Jesus. And because they have this conviction that God is who he says he is. Listen to me, pay attention, look at me, look at me. Because they have the conviction that Jesus is the Son of God, because they have this deep conviction that he loves them, that he gave his life for them. They say, I don't care what may happen to me or my family, Jesus is worthy. God alone is worthy of faith. We see these two words in Hebrews chapter 12 that describe Jesus. It is that he is the founder and perfecter of faith. Everyone say founder. This comes from the Greek word archegos. Everyone say archegos. It sounds like architect, right? There's the foundation, or, or in other translations, it'll be used as he is the author, right? He's the author. In Acts 3.15, it says that Jesus is the author of life. Like all of life itself, Jesus wrote into the story that made it possible for existence to happen. He is the author of life. And what we see here is that Jesus is the one who begins, who is the, like, the author of faith, and it also says that he is the perfecter. Of faith. Everyone say the perfecter. Let me teach you another Greek word. It's teleotis. Everyone say teleotis. Very nice. Teleotis. This word comes from the Greek word teleos, which means to be complete, to be perfect. Now, not perfect like we understand English of like never making a mistake, but perfect in, in how the people understood it in Greek was to be complete, to be made whole. Like if you imagine a puzzle, a missing piece would mean it is not teleos. But when all the pieces are in the puzzle, there's Teleos. And what this is telling us is that Jesus, Teleotis, he is the one who is the finisher, the one who completes and perfects something. Otherwise, known as saying that Jesus is the perfect and ultimate example of faith. He's the ultimate example of faith. Now, everyone pay attention. Everyone pay attention. I want you to look at me. Look at me. I want you guys to get this because it might be a little confusing, right? Because, okay, so Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. That's where we started this whole series in Hebrews talking about how Jesus is not just like an angel or a prophet or a good teacher. He is God and he is the Son of God. So how does Jesus have faith? What we see in Jesus' life is that Jesus, when he comes on earth, he takes on human flesh to suffer alongside of us, to understand what it means to be tempted, to understand what it means to be a human like us. And what happens is Jesus, as he takes on human flesh, we see that uh, Hebrews tells us that he learned obedience through what he suffered. And what he suffered, we see like the, at the pinnacle of Jesus' life, Hebrews 12, 2, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And what the author of Hebrews wants us to catch this morning, I want everyone to look at me, and I want you to hear this well, because this is so important. Is that when we look at Jesus, when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus as we run our race, 
what we see is that he is the perfect example to follow of how we live in faith. What Hebrews tells us is that Jesus, he goes and he takes the cross that there's even, it says, for the joy set before him. Can you imagine Jesus having joy in his heart before he goes and takes the worst punishment, pain, and suffering that any of us could ever imagine? Think about that. Like, think about how that doesn't, like, make sense. For the joy that was set before him, he endures the cross. Jesus goes, and he faces the worst isolation and, like, emotional, physical, spiritual, mental pain that anyone could ever imagine. He takes the weight of the world's sin upon himself. And he's, and he's, and he's hung on a cross and suffocates. Jesus takes on suffering. How is there joy as he goes to the cross? I believe it's because Jesus' joy was found in doing the will of God. Jesus had so much faith in his heavenly father that he knew that going to the cross meant salvation for the world. That going to the cross meant that shame could be destroyed and that we could have freedom and so we could come to God our father. Are you with me? That, that is why Jesus goes to the cross with joy is because he knows in faith that God the Father is good. And Jesus had the deep conviction that God was worthy of faith. Are you with me this morning? Uh, she's and, and Lucy, you guys can go ahead and come on up. So this is, this is what I want to do this morning. I think there's a clear invitation for us in this passage. What is the invitation? Let us run the race. Let us run the race. And as we, as we run the race, everyone look at me, everyone look at me. Keep pay, pay, pay attention. As we run the race, the only way we can do this whole thing of following God is by faith. Right? Because I think if we were to be honest with ourselves, if you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, you know that sometimes it's really difficult. That sometimes it costs you something. Sometimes it means saying no to other things that actually sound or feel really good because you believe that Jesus is worth following. And what we see is that Jesus, the author and perfecter, the perfect example of faith, the one who shows us how we do this. What does Jesus do? He follows and obeys the will of God which led him to taking on the cross. Why? Because Jesus trusted his Father. Jesus had the deep conviction of trust in the Father. That if he followed the will of God. Bless you, Megan. You're good. That if he followed the will of God, that God would use it and do so much. And that salvation for the world would come from it. So this is what we're going to do. I want everyone to go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and be quiet. I don't want you saying anything. Shh. Fellas over here, stop talking. I know this is what I want to do. What I love about Jesus, what I love about the life of faith is that, is that faith is not this invitation to, to get your act together and to try really, really, really hard to believe. Like, maybe some of you guys have tried that before. Like, okay, I'm going to try to, to have faith in God, so I'm just going to try really, really hard to get through any doubt or any questions I have and just try to believe. And friends, that's not what Jesus wants for you. He doesn't want for you just to try to follow him on your own effort, on your own, on your own strength. 
trying to convince yourself. No, no, no. But Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit who is there to help us. Okay, everyone listen to me. Everyone look at me. Look at me. Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to give us the gift of faith. That when you have doubt, when you have questions, when following Jesus is costing you something and it's really difficult to keep going. You know what you and I can do? Is we fix our eyes on Jesus. We don't try just to run the race on our own strength. You will burn out. You will get tired. We don't try to run the race by just doing all the right things and being good enough. We cannot be on our own. But you know what we can do? We can come and draw near to the throne of grace. Right, we, we see this theme all throughout Hebrews that the author says, come with confidence, draw near to your heavenly Father so you may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. So I want you just to close your eyes right where you're at. Just close your eyes. Don't talk to anyone. Don't get distracted. If you need to get some space to be by yourself, you can do that. I want you just to close your eyes. And I want you to, I want you to take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit to, to search you and to know you. This is what the psalmist prays in Psalm 139. Would you search me and know me? Show me if there's any wicked way in me. What we see in this passage is for us to be able to run our race, we have to lay aside the weights that weigh us down. To, to run the race, we have to lay aside the, the things that entangle us, that trap us, that that make following Jesus, that make running the race difficult, the things that distract us from, from keeping our eyes focused on the goal, on the prize, as Jesus as a reward. We can't be distracted by the things to our right or to our left. We can't be holding extra weight. So can you ask God, Lord, would you show me, would you show me what weight I'm carrying that you haven't called me to carry? Lord, would you, would you show me what is entangling me? What's like chains to my arms or a rope around my legs as I try to run that's making me stumble, that's slowing me down? What is entangling me? For 30 seconds, ask the Holy Spirit to, to show you what that may be. <laughs> 